doing? And to podcast. look just like Potter who cast whoa and it's planet of the ood i don't care what any other podcast says about this episode this is our episode or whatever i don't know hello and welcome to uh to another episode of of Potter who cast um this is planet of the ood and i'm david and uh, i'm on the planet of the ood right now it's very cold um you can kind of hear the rockets going overhead um and also the, the deadened silence in the room of the Ood. Um, and we're joined, uh, what would, who, like, usually we're joined by a special guest. And we have a very special guest today. But also join us, as as always, is... It's uh, me, Michelle. I'm the PR person. And I'm here to do PR over this uh, modern slave company. Pee pee poo poo or <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Here we go, modern slaves. Uh, and we have someone who just arrived. We didn't know they were there. Who who's this? Who's this? Oh, who's this uh, with I'm I'm here representing the uh the the uh Doctor Noble Company. Uh, yeah. I'm just I'm just here for the tour. I know I'm not on the list, but I uh, I do have ident- identification. Oh, this makes total sense. We absolutely let uh, random people into our factories uh, just because they have identification. Anyway, this is great. This totally makes sense. Uh, great, great guys. Great. I love working for this modern day slave making company. It's weird that you call it that. I do have to say that being yeah. the PR, <laughs> being the PR person for the company, I did not expect for you to say the quiet part quite so loud. <laughs> well, it's almost makes you wonder how this got past the, the the drawing board that people would be like, "Hey, we're cool with owning slaves." And actually there's uh, let's just like, I can't I'm Oh, I mean, I think maybe, it. you know, it's the it's the 42nd century or whatever. Maybe like right, the right. sort of the, the the way that like um that the right currently likes to brazenly embrace whatever terrible thing uh, the that the the left or even the center calls them out on just so far, and at the point where that you've got people who are like uh uh, uh, uh enslaving people to own the libs at this yes. point, yes, the, uh, the, yeah, and they think they think they think it's uh they think it's good simply because we don't like it and have thought no further about it. You know, one of our biggest customers is Space Ben Shapiro, who says hypothetically the Ood like to be enslaved. Yes, it's, and they're being and they're treated very well. <laughs> they're treated very well, hypothetically <laughs> speaking, of course. <laughs> ben Shapiro comes up on this way too often. I'm sorry. This is like, <laughs> well, we this make is a lot of fun. This, this is, is the this, episode. This well, this is actually the first one because the second the the this is the first one chronologically, <laughs> but not the first one recorded when we mentioned Ben Shapiro. <laughs> oh God. Uh, anyway, Planet of the Ood. It's um written by Keith Stanbo, who is like a big soap opera 
guy. Um, oh, okay. He also he just wrote the um, the novelizations coming out in June of this episode, which I'm, I'm very interested in, in reading. Um, directed by Graham Harper, who's obviously you know he's up to this point he's been like the big episode guy. This season is, is his last full season of of episodes because he has like one special and then he's he's retired now basically. Um, it was broadcast on the nineteenth of April two thousand eight, so we're we're coming up to almost coming up to the anniversary. Um, but the basic premise, the gist, as it were, of the, of this episode is that the Doctor and the Donna land on the home planet of the Ood. And they find out that a company led by this guy, Mr. Halpern, who's just, you know, a piece of shit, uh, is, has basically enslaved the Ood for, for years. Um, and the Ood are now beginning to fight back against the treatment they've, they've been experiencing. It turns out there's a giant Ood brain in like a, a, a silo that's, that has like a signal that's being blocked by this like circle of, of thingy-majigs. Um, they they basically turn off the signal thing, and Mr. Halpern gets turned to an Ood because Mr. Halpern's uh, Ood assistant, Ood Sigma, um, has been feeding him Ood hormones basically, and turns him into a, 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 a an Ood. Um, later on, all the Oods are free and they're singing, and um, they, they they tell the Doctor that they'll save the Doctor Donna forevermore, and also the Doctor's current song will soon be over. And the Doctor's like, "Why are you talking about?" And the Ood's like, "I don't know." Get out of here. And, and the doctor's like, okay, I'll, I'll see you. And he leaves. It's I know that this is supposed to be like a short version of the explanation, but I think it's so funny you literally skipped the entire episode. <laughs> you you said the beginning and then the end, and then there's nothing else. Uh, well the middle the middle is just very harrowing uh scene after scene of, of Oods being mistreated while Yes. Well, stuff happens, you know, so. Yeah, so if you look I, at, like, the Wikipedia summary of this episode, it's very easy to make it, like, it's very easy to condense it, because it's it's mostly you're just getting deeper and deeper into the into the sort of obvious parable being being done. Uh, so uh, it takes it takes the characters almost no time at all to figure it out, but it takes them a while to do anything about it. There's a giant claw machine. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, that's not like, you know, you could you could do the episode without the giant claw machine. But why would you want to? Absolutely. I have to say, OK, so I've said this. I think I said this before. Um, when I first watched series four, I skipped two episodes and those were Fires of Pompeii and Planet of the Ood. I was young. I don't know why I skipped them. Don't ask me why. Uh, but now I'm like, I kind of know why I skipped them because um uh, this this wasn't it for me, folks. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I think the origin of this episode is much more interesting than the actual episode itself. I think the origin is probably that Russell T. Davis had just wrapped up Series 2. You know, he was having a drink. Someone walked up to him and said, like, Hey, Russell, great job on Series 2. He was like, thank you, man. Great. We're working on Series 3. It was like, oh, by the way, I love those Ood. Hey, did you ever think about the fact you made modern slavery a thing in Doctor Who? And then the rest was like, oh... I did, huh? Uh-oh. Oh, well. And then, like, that's that's the, the origin of this episode where they were like, we kind of got to talk about the fact we introduced an entire slave race and never talked about it because that was the episode with the devil. But uh, they kind of – basically, it's kind of like, like a whole mea culpa in episode form just them being like, we're sorry, guys. We're sorry. We're really sorry. Let's fix this right now. Please, please, please. So – other than that, I mean, it does do the thing that the, it came in to do. It fixes, quote-unquote, fixes the Ood by freeing them. But that's kind of about it. 
I mean, it definitely they they emphatically say no, we don't think the slavery is good. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I think that yeah. they could not they could not apologize harder <laughs> than they do in this episode. Um, it is. And, and, and to me, you know, I'm a, I'm a more more than a Doctor Who person. I'm a big Star Trek guy, and mm-hmm. I'm definitely you can recognize in this as as in many Doctor Who episodes the idea of okay, our characters are going to a planet to confront a a a, a you know normal like uh, social problem from either our present or our past or projected into our future, uh, and they are you know obviously our heroic characters are like, you know, this is wrong. Right. And then they have to like, kind of teach the audience surrogates of the other planet, the aliens who are us, or as it is sometimes in Dr. Who, the future of humanity or whatever, um, Mm -hmm. and show us the error of our ways. But what I kind of respect about this episode is that it doesn't actually, um, exonerate anyone and Mm -hmm. any character who they try to talk reason with is so obsessed with their own self-interest they bury themselves yeah uh, and i i find that i know it's kind of cynical as it is i find it kind of refreshing that we don't pretend that people who would enslave other people can be talked out of doing that by being told that it's wrong yeah mm-hmm. it's like they know. they know they just yeah, they know, know it's wrong it's impossible yeah. not to know it's wrong yeah I think also to me, it's funny you mentioned uh, Star Trek because the thing that's reminded me more of is how the Klingons went from kind of racist depiction, like visually they were kind of racist depictions of non-white people. And then when they moved on to like further into the, 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 the franchise's existence, they were like, okay, we should actually work on making them not look or not feel like they're just like a stereotype. And so they actually right. went and developed the characters and all that and changed the makeup. And, right. Cause initially uh, it was just, and it's, it's somehow like, I know that there's been a big, a big reckoning and various episodes have been taken down of various shows that, that uh, I, I would guess have, I suppose have a more severe version of this. It is, it is weird to acknowledge that Star Trek considered like the progressive uh, American science fiction show, uh, the most iconic antagonists in the original series were just uh, white actors in brown face and Fu Manchu must, uh, mustaches. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, again, like once the tech, once the, uh, and, and also funny that anyone would complain. Oh, they changed the makeup, but didn't explain it. You need us to explain why this makeup got ch- got changed. Do you really? <laughs> Do yeah. you really need a plot <laughs> yeah. reason why uh, we got to have we have to have a two episode arc on Enterprise? Uh, 30 years later to explain why we're not just putting uh, white actors in brown face and pasting Fu Manchu mustaches on them. Yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, but, but if we're going to talk about the, the aliens in question, I think um, as much, as much as it's important that they had to be like, Oh, we have to try and make sure that we explain or build through or apologize for the way that we introduced chattel slavery into the advanced 40th century of humanity. Um, that they also probably did not want to squander a really, really good alien design. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Ood is a fantastic, even if you go back to that. Uh, and I think that's something we talked about, David, in our episode for The Impossible Planet. It's such a good idea of, like, here is literally a person in a suit, they have an alien face, and they all talk in the same voice. They all talk with that, like... Oh, how may I help you, sir? Voice. They all talk. What's his name? It's Paul it's Casey. Si- right? Silas Carson, who plays uh, Kayadi Mundi, is the voice of the Ood. What? Um, really? Yeah. yeah. Huh. 
Okay, yeah. that's funny. I didn't know that. <laughs> how, how would we be almost never hear Kiyai right. speak? <laughs> You're right. All right. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, he also portrays Nut Nut Gunray, which is the um, <laughs> that that one I cannot imitate the, his voice because oh. it it is very much a oh, bad yeah. voice. Talk about talk talk about, uh, talk, talk about uh, a. a a problematic iconography from major um, yeah. science fiction movies, fantasy franchises that we're just kind of supposed to forget about. We love, we, we love a problematic fave style yes. discussion. But I also I, realized that because we were doing a bit, I never actually introduced myself on the show. Oh, sorry, I am so sorry. Uh, no, please, we, were, we were. Listen, I I believe in committing to the bit, and I love that we started with a bit. But I should say, hello, I'm Dylan Roth. Uh, I'm our guest today. Uh, I'm a, a a film and TV critic and the co-host of Are You Afraid of the Dark Universe, a podcast where we uh, try to revive the dark universe. And I'll gush about that podcast at the end when we do plugs, but it is a fantastic podcast, so please go listen. If you liked our American Doctor Who episode, you should listen to that. But that, I just wanted to get the digression. At a certain point, it becomes weird that I have not said my own name on right, the show. Right, right. Yeah, I was, I think I realized that at some point, and I didn't want to. Well, because when, you, when, like you, when you brought me in, I didn't, I didn't want to. I didn't want to stop the bit. It's a lot like the Doctor Who universe. They have just been committing to the bit of the, the Ood being slaves. And they were like, well, we didn't want to go stop and, it. We, we had to like yeah, A little while later, they just had to apologize for it and kind of clarify yeah. and then move yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> like yesterday as well, we were doing our, our episode and there was a whole bit that I was... And at, at points, I had to stop me like, no... It was just getting out of hand. It was just like, you got you gave up halfway through. <laughs> yeah, which was, by the like, way is a spoiler because this episode comes about before. Oh, the, I'm, the I'm of... that out. Don't worry, I'm gonna... <laughs> I don't. Mean, I don't mean to call you out. I just think it would be funny yeah, if we started spoiling. I mean, it would be in theme with this series, which uh, does a lot of that whole like. Um, well, they don't do it in this episode. The uh, planets are missing. Arc. We'll talk about the no bees though. Oh the, yeah, the they no don't bees. talk. Yeah. Which is like, that's a thing in real life. <laughs> Yeah. It's a very good arc because it is a thing in real life. Like bees are disappearing. It is kind of weird and fucked up. Uh, but yeah, it's um, what, what else can be said about planet? Uh, uh, what else? I, what else? I, I, I do have. I have. A, I have. A, I, have a, I have a thing I noticed, and I'm not yeah. sure it's intentional. But like this episode, as like after a certain point, starts mirroring um, Impossible Planet Satan Pit in both terms of like you know. It like flips that story on, onto a certain thing. I think it's mostly because like they just kind of realize that, like there's something they're doing with the oud is kind of just a repeat of what they did before. Like there's the oud, the red eyes, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. The oud all, all join up together to you know serve something. This in case it's the the oud brain. Um, and in this case, like the humans are obviously flipped into like the villain role. Um, the thing I actually wanted to ask both of you is what you think of the ending with Mr. Halpern, where he turns into an ood, because I'm, I'm, I'm I don't know where I really stand on that personally in terms of in terms of a lot of things, but I'm, I'm interested to hear what you both think about that ending. Um, I guess I if I uh, if I read this correctly, they said on the uh, the TARDIS wiki that originally. This was going to be a two-parter, and that the writer had a lot of difficulty cutting this down. Um, I could have given you some notes, but I think the biggest thing about this episode, reckoning with the impossible beast and uh, the impossible planet and Satan's spit, is that first of all, in that episode, 
the Ood get thrown to the side because, you know, the devil. The devil. Bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but also, it 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 kind of... It, it kind of has to do that whole retcon thing of explaining, okay, if this is true, if it is true that there's a, serv- a race of people of aliens who are treated as slaves, how does this work? What is the inner workings of this company? How does it go to that? And I feel like the answer the episode comes with comes up with of the uh, the company of uh, what's it, Mr. Halpin and all that. It's good. It works. And it's just fine. And so, what it, the other only other thing you can do to fill time is to do the thing we know from the Uds, which is they get the red eyes and they do the thing, like they say you're, you, they, they start chasing you and they shock you with their things. So, I think it's more like they don't want to do something too different. They want to do something that's like just new enough that you can understand where they're coming from and wh- wh- who these people are, who these Ood are and all that, but they also don't want to separate too much from the from what we know of the Ood. I mean, there's also the the matter of in both, both stories turn on the reveal of a giant ancient creature just below the frame. Oh uh, my god, you're right. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and you know, one of them's bad and one of them's good, and but it's I mean, it is funny because like going back and like I preparing for this podcast and went back and I did the um, the Satan's Pit two parter and and this episode and and for kicks, I think I also watched the first episode of the series where where Donna rejoins the doctor because I just felt like it. Uh, But the it it is it is funny being like you could watch you could watch just those episodes be like, oh, is this just what Doctor Who is about finding guys in holes? Uh, But I but I don't know. I think if you. You know, like in in like if you were to workshop it, we would we would start with the with the um with the assumption that it's intentional, right? That maybe like it's it's the idea that um we are doing the sort of mirror image of that story because that's the one where we have the ood, you know, just basically cast off to their deaths, and this is the one that's their liberation. Um, whether or not that was just the just having to expedite the story, or or whether it was about trying to create a parallelism, I I, I couldn't tell you. But I think um, I think what David was asking earlier was how we feel about Doctor Halpin getting turned into an ood at the end of the story. Um, yes, uh, I, I wanted. Sorry, I didn't get to that. Oh, no, go 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 ahead, Davin. No, no, no. You could go ahead. You could go ahead. You first. You first. I mean, uh, for me, I feel like it's it does ha- it is thematically tricky. I guess uh, if nothing else, it's an effective piece of body horror. It's an effective piece of of body horror. Um, I think um, the idea that they're turning him into one of them and they're going to treat him better than they treated him is, you know, probably better than he deserves. But yeah. uh, it also, if we are, we also have to accept the possibility that, you know, if the Ood are truly like this really uh, gentle and trusting race, that they may not be as wrathful as we would be in, in their position. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, my, my opinion on the uh, Dr. Halpin becoming an Ood thing is that it is a good idea and concept, but that in execution, it turns into like, it, it's a fun thing to see, and you look at it and you go, oh, that's cool. But like Dylan said, after it's done, it's kind of like, oh, but like, I kind of wanted to see more happen, you know? It's kind of like, at the end of the day, the humans decide to free the Ood and all that. It's like, I kind of wanted to see like a deep, it's complicated. You want it to be like a real 
quote unquote realistic portrayal of what the, these people would act like. Because, like we said, if they got to this point, giving them a speech is not going to make them change mm-hmm. their their minds. So, like, the best we can settle for is one of them turns into an ood, and now he's going to be an ood forever, which is like. Which is like the best. I, I feel like that kind of summarizes my feeling, and it's complicated. I, I hope that makes sense. It does summarize my feelings with this episode. It's the best uh, that they could possibly do with this. It, it feels more like an assignment than an episode, particularly. Yeah, as if they had, they, like you said, they were trying to, they were trying to be like, how do we, how do we make our stance on this issue we bungled perfectly yeah. clear? Um, yeah. It's yeah, not even I, that they I definitely get the feeling it. there's a bit of there's a bit of like a like a like a, a fix it thick element of this. It's not even that they bungle it. I think they never thought about it, which is like it's fine. Like it, this is a sci-fi trope. Like there's a race of people who quote unquote work for humans, but like they never. It, it just even back when that episode for Doctor Who, it felt particularly careless. Like this is a show that prides itself on quote unquote empathy. And being like, even the little people matter in the universe. To then introduce and just kind of offhandedly be like, hey, here's a race of people who all are enslaved by humans. And so they have this assignment, they have to fix it, and I think this is the best possible. It's kind of like a wiping, they're wiping the oots like clean to do more cool stuff for them in the future. Which is kind of like weird because they don't really do much of that stuff with them in the future this I, is like i was surprised when i was again to do research i figured all right well I, I haven't seen a lot of the most recent series am yeah. i going to want to like catch up on what happened to the Ud? not a whole lot happens with the no. Ud at this point which yeah i guess i mean i guess i'm happy for them because the more the doctor shows up the more likely they are to be in you know danger yeah but and this is like the the most uh the most Ud thing we've gotten is what's his name brian uh what's his name david brian, the Ud. Oh, Brian, yeah. Brian the Ood. I only heard about it from listening to your episode about the two-parter. <laughs> this is somebody in the um this is somebody in the uh Time Lord Victorious timeline. Yes. Yes. There uh, um I actually I looked them up today on like a clear image. Basically, some like group of people take an ood, cut um they they take the nude, bring them to like a secure location. And cut the hindbrain in half to see what like what what's going on the, in the the ood's brain, um, which is Brian the ood, and then Brian the ood develops a split personality. There's Mister Ball, who's in the ball the translator ball that he has that makes him kill people, and then there's Brian the ood. Brian the ood then becomes a hitman, who who takes out uh, whatever however that's been taken out. He becomes like a companion to like the eighth Doctor, I think, and the tenth Doctor, and then I think he dies. I'm not sure. And then at the end of Brian the Ood's timeline, his bow tie falls into a museum. At Michelle, you're like this. His bow tie falls into a museum, and then Faction Paradox arrive in the museum. Oh no! Oh finds, no! Um, Faction Paradox being the cult who love who loves paradoxes and, and time disruption. Oh my god! They find his bow tie, and his bow tie starts glowing with, with uh, paradox energy or something, and they start dancing around the bow tie or something. Some stupid nonsense like that. I'm, it's, I'm feeling embarrassed yeah. for Doctor Who. It's like I'm <laughs> introducing Doctor. <laughs> I know, but his whole thing is that like the, the the most like one of the most one of the biggest kind of source of information for Brian the Ood is that there's like a, a, a glow in the dark T-shirt where there's a short story written in glow in the dark ink on the T-shirt that only shows up when you like turn the lights off, obviously. And that's basically like you have to read a T-shirt to find out some basic info about Brian the Ood's 
past life. It's it's a really like needlessly complicated character to go with, and like the concept of an Ood assassin is obviously kind of you know it, it's 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 kind of apples and oranges, but it's just like Brian the Ood. Brian the Ood. <sighs> Brian the Ood. Well, Dylan, question: Would you want to meet Brian the Ood? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't sound like it would work out great. I mean, I guess I have to be a little bit, you know, fearful. I'd rather, yeah. I'd rather not encounter, in general, I'd rather not encounter an assassin in, in any capacity because just statistically, if it, I'm more likely to be killed by that person or someone trying to kill that person than I am in the average interaction that I'd have on a, you know, on a Saturday afternoon. Wait, speaking of killing, because you just reminded me of something. I feel like we washed over this. You mentioned it, uh, Dylan, but like this episode had a giant claw. Yes. <laughs> Why are we not talking? About, I this is what the episode. Who like it's like so you have a lot of it's almost like funny to me how much they cranked it up on this character. So obviously everybody working at this company that's enslaving the Ood is is doing evil actively, yes. right? Whether they're deluding themselves, oh they like it, or they're just like in it for their profit and they they don't care. This guy, I don't know, I don't remember the character. Commander Kess, I think, is his name. Yes. Um, he absolutely loves to murder uh and exterminate the ood like they say you know this this, this is bad for the company that they have to kill you know a whole even if they see them as livestock this is an investment for them for the company it's not good that they have to they think that they have to kill this entire crop of ood in order to prevent the spread of whatever this infection is but this guy is like all right go and release the gas just with pleasure he's so excited to <laughs> yeah, murder them and then when oh he gets the opportunity God. to chase down, uh, to chase down the doctor with his giant uh, cargo, uh, cargo, um, uh, shipping container sized claw machine, he's just like he's like licking his lips. He's so excited <laughs> to use the claw machine on a guy. Uh, yeah. he's just uh, delightfully evil. Yeah, it's it's uh, it also strikes to me that like this character exists. He. Not only does this character exist, but also there's a scene where Donna is like, well, they're slaves. And then the doctor's like, well, it's not so different from your time. And Donna's like, no, it's not. What the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? Yes, it is. This is so much different. What? <laughs> like, um, and he's like, well, what about the people who make her clothes? And, and then she's like, well, okay, you kind of got there. You kind of got, got that. Yeah, you kind of got me there. But I, I, I yeah. You know what? Actually, now I am getting uh, losing myself in the argument that the doctor made, which is kind of like I, I feel like this episode in regards to the doctor's role. I've been thinking a lot about this, the doctor's role within the show, because uh, the next episode we're recording today is Midnight. And that's another one that's all about, like, who is a doctor without his companion and without the 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 the, the like veneer of respectability that he gets for being the alien and the Time Lord. And this one is kind of like, I almost feel like this is the doctor as an agent of the status quo. He just kind of like reacts to everything like, well, you know, it's just like the people who make your clothes, you know. Oh, but he's not defending that practice. No, right? no, I he, think he's, he's, not, he's just yeah. reminding her to, to that that they have that we haven't come so far in the time that she thinks that that they have, that they're still that there are still versions of this problem in her own society. No, I, I yeah, I agree with you, but but to me, it's like if we are to assume that the doctor is this like agent of 
order, you know, like this person who's like there to put things right. The existence of a like a race of slaves kind of implies some level of like, and I, and maybe I'm getting too much into to a level of thinking that this episode did not consider and shouldn't have considered, <laughs> you know, like it, the existence of this and the fact that the doctor is kind of like, oh, cool, let's go see the factory. It implies like, didn't you know about this? The, the, like, what? Why didn't you? You know, and the reason he didn't know is because they didn't make this. <laughs> I guess I guess uh, they hadn't made they kind of come up with this. I guess the thing I'm coming up with is like it's go it goes back to my original point which is this is a fix fic. This is Doctor Who's first ever fix fic with the second one being Timeless Child. Uh but but this is like this is basically a fix fic of someone being like all right, let's fix that because the there the dude's existence as it stands kind of makes everyone seem a little bit weird. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And I'll and I'll stop harping on that point because I feel myself getting angry at myself. It's like, well, yeah. well listen, it's, yeah. it's 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 an issue worth getting angry. Yeah, about. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, this I want to I, I I think it's 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 telling where like you know you all have to kind of accept and try not to wave it off in our lives as oh there's no ethical consumption under capitalism is like oh that that might that might be true. Uh, it's but it's also. It is critically impossible to completely divest yourself of exploitation in your yeah. own everyday life. Um, mm-hmm. So it's the kind of situation where, like, um, and then and I think that's just a little bit, let's just like a little nod to that. Like, in terms of how heavy-handed this episode is, I I feel like it's on par. Um, and just being the idea, be like, okay, those of you watching at home, don't don't feel. Don't feel too high on your horse here because yeah. we are all complicit in in some of this stuff and it sucks and we all would like to do better and most of us don't have the power to affect that kind of change. But the doctor and Donna do and so yeah. they do what's right, right? Um, mm-hmm. And this reminds me of something where I feel uh, one of the other little smaller injustices of this episode is that at the end of this story, the Ood are so grateful to the doctor and Donna and sure – uh, they're going to add them to the song that they'll be singing for the beginning of time. And my question is, what about Dr. Ryder, the guy who gave <laughs> 10 years of his life to this cause? He went undercover into this company for a decade of his life and then gave his life for the salvation of the Ood. And he's not in the fucking song. <laughs> he fell the brain. He's not, he is not a main character. We cannot add him to the song. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's it's, a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy, that, that guy's the real. The real. You know, if if any of these, like, uh, if if any of these non ood characters are the hero of this story, it's Doctor Ryder for making for for enable for uh, enabling the reconnection between the ood and the brain in the first place. That he he made he made ood liberation his entire life, and this was an afternoon for Doctor and Donna. So. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. I, I was bummed out that there was no respect given to that guy. On, on the topic of wait, David, you were going to say something? No, I was going to say that I, I found um, uh, Brian the Ood thing online and it's the most like overblown, like OTT, like mid 2000s kind of edge core. Oh my God. I am an assassin. I am the last surviving knight of the lesser order of Oberon. Do not ask what happened to the others. It was very loud, very painful. For them, Mr. Ball loved every moment. Signed, Brian the Ood. 
I mean, it's, it's like it's like those minion memes, but but Brian the Ood and a, and a gun. Um, I would be happy becoming a Brian the Ood fan account. You you would have to look for a lot of material, but I would be happy. <laughs> there's nothing stopping you. Um, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, a fun know. fact I, I I read up is that apparently the reason they decided to have Dr. Ryder being killed by Mr. Halpin is because they were like, we need a good enough reason for the audience to think that Halpin deserves to be turned into a Ood. <laughs> and I was like, didn't you have one already? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's weird. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Ida Scott, who's the character from The Impossible Planet, would have been in this one, too. Uh, she oh, would have been like, I like that would have been cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it, it almost feels like, yeah, like, like this is a sequel to the impossible planet, but not really. And it feels like if they had just gone a step further and made it more of a sequel, maybe it would have been a bit more concise as it stands. I think it's, a, it's a fine episode. Uh, we're like four episodes into recording series four. And the thing I'm realizing more and more is that like I, before this, I used to say, this was my favorite series of doctor who, bangers and the more and more i'm like actually there's like <laughs> maybe one banger here and everything else is perfectly okay and, and good and, and content so this is a fascinating little experiment for me mm -hmm. by, by the way what's the last we've seen of the oud I, i'm trying to think of um, it they're in they're in flux they're, right they're, they're in flux with, with with new eyes as well very really like squid like eyes um, the the thing about the ooze that, that like they yeah like after this it's just uh, they're in the doctor's wife for like a second, and then I think it's flux and then they're they're done they're 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 chilling they're chilling out somewhere instead. Um, yeah. Well, that's what and they're in end of time as well. Brian Cox voices the the big the big ood in end of time. And then they're oh, wait what? Yeah, he Brian Cox is the voice of the the, the, ood with the big brain who's like there's a oh. prophecy. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Really? Doctor, to yeah. fuck off! Would you hide from him? Get out of here! Out on the floor! Ah, succession. <laughs> Good times. Succession. Season four. Coming soon. Season four. Coming soon. Oh, look, uh, season four. Season four. Yeah, there we go. Can't get away what? from it. It's our. It's yeah. our. It's our arc words this it's year. Arc. Uh, why? Ha why hasn't Matthew McFadden been in Doctor Who? Very good question. Like, oh, Dylan, this is uh, <laughs> this is what we often like to talk about, which is actors who should be in Doctor Who but haven't been in a while. And I think Matthew McFadden, McFadden is a really oh, good one. He'd be a great pick. I do this all the yeah. time with um, – I very briefly wasted time on a Twitter account called Did a Star Trek. And it would basically be like this person from this movie that just came out did a Star Trek and here's when. And this movie has X number of people who did a Star Trek. And this person has never been a Star Trek and that's illegal. Um, um, that is the greatest like idea. All right. Well, it was it was not a not a great enough idea for me to grind through like you know the first six months of like a novelty Twitter account where only six people follow you and just waiting for something to hit. <laughs> it's uh -huh. like, uh, I got I got sidetracked with with uh, five other projects until finally one of them got some attention. <laughs> but I think I think Beth Bethesda's great. But Doctor Who is another thing you could you could do a similar premise with because like. There's a million of them. People you do do not expect to have done a Doctor Who have done Doctor Who because people did it when they were coming up. And then there mm -hmm. are famous people who mm -hmm. grew up loving Doctor Who and just want a shot at doing Doctor Who later after they've made their bones. Like yeah. who would have who would have thought that, you know, it was like a cool reveal when you had John Hurt show up in a major role on Doctor Who and then agree uh. to do a big finish series. <laughs> 
Well, but but here's the thing, Dylan. We know Big Finish has means. Big Finish has a dirt on everybody in Doctor Who. Like, <laughs> literally, once you sign up for Doctor Who, you just hear a knock on the door, and it's Nick Briggs being like, have you heard of Big Finish? <laughs> we'll be waiting for you once you finish, because we're the Big Finish. Oh, that's what it's called, Big Finish. Oh, oh, I never realized that. Whatever. It's, it's, uh, it's the retirement plan of all actors yeah, who've been in Doctor yeah. Who. <laughs> It is actually. I mean, it listen. The, uh, Eric, Eric Jacoby has been has literally been making bank just doing fucking master audios for the last two years. Yeah, that's literally all he's been doing is has been big finish master box sets. Wouldn't you? I mean, have um, a bunch yeah. of random people like do write stuff for you, and you do like absolutely random box sets. So what am I doing today? Oh, I'm fighting the Medusa in this one. Great, cool, 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 cool. cool. Let's Eric do it. Roberts, um, I mean, it sounds like. I mean, it sounds like a a pretty. Not to discount that, like, voice acting is acting, and it's a job yeah. and it's a skill, and it mm-hmm. takes something out of you. But it does feel like the kind of thing that if you are a semi-retired screen actor, it's like it's like the ability to like kind of halfway go to work and not have to go yeah. through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a, a a pretty good gig if you can get it. Yeah, nice work yeah. if you can get it. Absolutely, I would do it. Hire me, please. If you ever <laughs> need a random people with brazilian accents to show up and doctor who would be like oh my god an alien there you go nick just crop that out use it you don't have to pay me anything well, you doctor do, in rio uh by the way fun fact um adrian rollins who plays uh dr Ryder, he played james potter in the harry potter movies and that's what i recognize him from he was also that's a, blink, that's a real blink, yeah. you, blink and you'll miss it type. Situation. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was also in um, Chernobyl with um, Con O'Neill, who's in Nolly. And I've seen Nolly, the new Russell T Davies uh, show. And if you want to oh. see a show where where Russell T Davies like kind of kind of touches on his relationship to Christopher Eccleston, uh, and maybe is very self critical of how he handled the whole thing, watch Nolly. Because that is basically what Nolly is on a certain level about. And it took me by surprise. Um, yeah, Nolly. Yeah. Cream Nolly. 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 Well, do we have anything else we want to say about this episode, Planet of the Ud? I wanted to give a tip of the hat for the episode's tip of the height, t- to the tip of the hat to the Sense Sphere, uh, a, a nod mm-hmm. to the Series 1 episode, The Sensorites. Uh, I mm-hmm. recently went back and watched series one of classic Doctor Who or season one, I guess they called it in those in that period of time of class Doctor Who. Sensorites is like a a, a pretty good arc with similar themes about mm-hmm. humanity's uh, history of exploitation and like the weird ugly aliens actually not being the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a cute little nod and uh, I, I will pick up on very few, you know, deep Doctor Who lore things because I've seen only very, very small pockets of classic Who. But I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. hey, I know that one. And that's a cute nod done for a reason. So mm-hmm. thumbs up. I do Check out wish the sense rights if you have BritBox or whatever. I do kind of wish the Ood were in like little uh, sashes to indicate what part of the, the Ood society you're part of. And they can uh, conceal their identities by trading sashes. <laughs> I didn't say it was great television. <laughs> Actually, I love, I love the sense. I don't. The sense race was one where, like, for years, I was like, "Oh, that's just terrible," because everyone says it's terrible. And I watched it again. I was like, "Actually, I kind of like this one." And now I'm, I'm fully pro sense race. I, I, I love those, those like the one sense that has like a really, really gruff voice who's like plotting around, uh, plotting against against all the humans. It's good. 
Exactly, stream sensor rates for 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 great I enjoyment. Need, I need to get classic hoop hill. It's just that every time I, I think right now I'm up to I just listen my way through Marco Polo all back, which is, you know what, really good. Yeah, I, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's, uh, I, so like last year, I was like, oh, you know what? The 60th anniversary is is coming up. Maybe I should, should maybe I should dive head first because of the idea of like, I've never been in the Doctor Who fandom, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know a lot of stuff and I don't have preconceived notions about what's good and what's not. So I'm like, if I were to go back and just do all of Who, it would be like it's new to me, but then I'd be able to talk to people about it and I'd be able to come at it with a new angle, and it might be something interesting to write about, and I could maybe get paid. But it was so much work, because mm -hmm. as I'm sure you all have been through this, it's a slog to get through sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> episodes are are like spread like butter over too much bread. Uh, they're they run really long. Uh, they are they are you know their first or second takes of everything, um, and. Uh, it's it's hard, but I do. Have, but when I hit the first episode where there was no footage from Marco Polo, I got that first set of lost episode preserved audio episodes, and I'm like, hey, it's actually more fun to listen to these than it is to watch. Yeah, in a way, <laughs> Marco Polo being missing is a blessing in disguise because you don't have to see them moving from one side of the set, then moving to the other side of the set, <laughs> then moving back to the first side of the set, <laughs> then moving back to the second side of the set standing around for a couple of minutes and then moving yes. back to the first side of the set. And I, I also mean, don't know yeah. for sure what color the actors doing these accents are. Like, Absolutely. You can just imagine that they're like actual <laughs> Yes. It's like, no, no, no. They, they hired a Chinese person to do this kind of bad Chinese accent. Uh, I can just pretend that that's what happened. <laughs> many, 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 many a classic Who watches have uh, died short deaths in the Daleks. I feel like we as a society have not acknowledged the fact that the Daleks first episode story is boring as shit. Yeah, it's it's not great. Like I was like, all right, I can. I was watching it, being like, I have to just accept that these villain, like, because the look of the, the look of the monsters, the look of the aliens, always goes so far and stuff like this, where people were just transfixed by that is a really interesting looking alien, and they have mm -hmm. a goofy voice. And I guess it was scary if you were, you know, sitting and watching a, 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 a little TV on the carpet of your home at the age of eight or whatever. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's rough. Like it wasn't until the second Dalek episode I got to in, 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 in season two that I was like, Oh no. Okay. I, I mean, I, I'd seen, you know, the, the new who Dalek episodes up through mm -hmm. the end of the, the, the 10th doctor at least. And, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I do. I think if I were to pick it back up again, I, I legitimately might, might choose to only do it via audio because I, I think that I was, I was enjoying that better. Mm. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And the thing to mm -hmm. me with that episode, I actually think that episode is not a good demonstration of why the Daleks are scary because people make, listen, people make fun of the Daleks. And actually, if we could talk a little bit about your relationship to Doctor Who, Dylan, because I, I, I want to know more because you're a first time guest. You want to talk more about the show as a whole. People make fun of the Daleks. They're like, who would think this is scary? And I told David this once. If you were on the street, imagine you're walking down the street, suddenly it gets all fogged up, and you just see that thing rolling out of the fog. You're telling me you would be like, I'm not scared. I'm totally good with this. I'm going to punch it right in the face. Like, it is inherently creepy to just see a machine rolling towards you with that fucking eye stalk looking at you and shouting in the most high-pitched voice ever how it's going to exterminate you from tip to bottom. It, there is a certain level of creepiness to them, and 
I feel like the reason we don't get that with classic Who is because a lot of the time this is just them going from again one location to the other, and then the Daleks are like, "Oh, we got you now," and then they're like, "No, we escaped through here." Like the Daleks don't feel scary in classic Who because of their of the format of the show. But a Dalek inherently, in my defense, and I don't know if you guys agree with me, I think a Dalek inherently is scary. Mm-hmm. There is something I mean, scary about these things. It's all about context, but I mean, I, I think it's anything. What makes the Daleks scary is sort of what kind of what makes the original conception of the Borg scary. Even I mean, they're scarier looking, I think, to begin with. But like, but it's the it's not so much what they look like or even how, you know, the weird way that they talk. It is the fact that they just don't ever stop. Uh, right. It's, it's, they can't. The thing that makes them scary is that just you you absolutely they're just completely merciless and 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 have no uh can't be negotiated with for the most part right and then as soon as you take that away from it that's kind of when it gets kind of silly again uh but i i don't know i i don't find i don't i don't tend to make fun of the daleks uh because i'm afraid they might be listening and that's <laughs> rude uh but it's I don't know. I, mean, I think maybe it has something to do with my relationship with Doctor Who in that I don't um, when when Doctor Who came uh, came back in the 2000s, uh, it started playing on the sci fi channel um, in the States, like a, a, maybe a year, a, a year staggered from the original broadcast. And I was a big Battlestar Galactica viewer. And so for a while for me, uh, Doctor Who is just the show that I I had to watch the last five minutes of to make sure I didn't miss the beginning of Battlestar Galactica and the sort of whiplash between their visual styles, their tones, and their production values was like massive. Um, and to me, it felt like I was going from watching a kids show to watching an adult show. Granted, I was really unfamiliar with the idea of Doctor Who as historically family programming, where it is supposed to be kid friendly and 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 appeal to kids in a particular way. Um, and it was a surprise to me when I got to college and found that like a lot of people were watching Doctor Who as religiously as I was watching BSG. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't think of it as a show that adults would watch um, uh, until it turned out that like uh, every theater kid or like I would do like a, a Rocky Horror shadow cast and everybody mm-hmm. in that was all watching Doctor Who together. Uh, I think it was a, I think it was a big thing within the queer cliques in college uh, of which I was not a member um, and only got pinhole views of, uh, during like, as through cross sections with like theater community and stuff like that. Um, I didn't start watching the show for myself until it was on like Netflix, um, in the 2010s. And I was watching it through as a show that, uh, before I had moved out of my, after I came back from college, before I moved out of my parents' house, I was watching it with my mother, who was a science fiction fan who I used to watch Star Trek with. Um, and we were watching, that was a show that we were doing together. And so it became family viewing again in my adult life um and then i uh moved to new york watched it with my roommate uh married a fan we have a a really beautiful uh graphite drawing of the of the ninth doctor in our home uh and now my wife has completely lapsed off of doctor who and now i'm the one trying to get back into it uh but i i am i am in and out for the most part and i 
I would like to be less of a completist and just be able to say, okay, I'm going to hop back on board with, oh, people like if I, you know, I got exhausted with the, with the 10th doctor, with the 11th doctor, maybe I'll jump back on with 12. I have a hard time doing that. Um, Mm -hmm. I, which is hence my going back to, uh, season one, episode one, 1963 (laughs) and trying to watch it from there. Um, so I, I was keeping it. I was keeping a journal of it, of episode by episode, in case I wanted to write about it in the future. Um, for now, I think I'm just gonna have to take it a little bit easier on myself and hop in when opportunities like this present themselves. Hmm. What do you have a favorite episode? That's hard. Um, I think that I got really into the early Moffat stuff before we all kind of soured on Moffat. Um, oh, it's coming so- back around. Don't worry. I, I, I heard that he's uh, coming back into town. Um, I guess I would say that the uh, the Doctor Dances two parter uh, in series one of the relaunch show is the one that my wife and I are both really fond of. Uh, it's just a really good encapsulation of who Nine is as a character. It's got a great eerie sort of alien design thing with the gas masks, and it has that really beautiful ending that is so meaningful because of how much that the Ninth Doctor has lost in the run-up to that show, that it just, the Just This Once Everybody Lives is, it could so easily be cheesy, but because he's still recovering from a loss that we can't imagine, Mm -hmm. uh, and Eccleston just, just really nails it. It's just, it's really good. It gets me kind of choked up thinking about it. So I think that would have to be my favorite, but bearing in mind that there's so much I haven't seen. Yeah. Mm That's a good. That's a good one. That's a good pick. <clears throat> that's a very good pick. And a, a, <clears throat> a, a, a scary villain too. Oh, uh, yeah, a, another episode where a a bald man vomits out. <laughs> oh, a, yes, a body that's, horror. That's, a similar kind of thing. And that scene. I mean, that's way. That's way scarier. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the one in the the one in that two parter where the gas yes. mask gets vomited out of his mouth. That that is upsetting. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah. really good. <laughs> I do not like this. Please stop. <laughs> yes. Um. Uh. Next. Uh. Next time. Look at this guy. What exactly do you want? I was just thinking. What a responsible eighteen-year-old. Inventing zero-carbon cars. Saving the world. Takes a man with vision. Hmm. Blinkered vision. Because that means more people driving, more cars, more petrol. End result, the oil's going to run out faster than ever. The Atmos system could make things worse. Yeah, well, I see. That's a tautology. You can't say Atmos system because it stands for atmospheric emission system. So, so, so you're saying atmospheric emission system system. Do you see, Mr. Conditional Clause? It's been a long time since anyone said no to you, hasn't it? I'm still right, though. Not easy, is it? Being clever. You look at the world and you connect things. Random things. You think, why can't anyone else see it? The rest of the world is so slow. Yeah. And you're on your own. I know. But not with this. Because there's no way you invented this single-handed. I mean, it might be Earth technology, but that's like finding a mobile phone in the Middle Ages. No, no, I'll tell you what it's like. It's like finding this in the middle of someone's front room. Albeit, very big front room. Why, what is it? Yeah, just looks like a thing, doesn't it? People don't question things, they just think, mm, it's a thing. Leave it alone. Me, I make these connections, and this, to me, looks like a teleport pod. Wait, 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 before, uh, do, oh. Yeah. That's okay. next time. Yeah, go ahead, go on, go on. No, you go first. What? No, I have nothing else. Uh, I was... 
Plugs. I don't know. Else yes. Uh, please, please listen to Dylan's podcast. Seriously, <laughs> it is so good. And Dylan, if I may make a request as a fan, uh, put a Doctor Who actor in there somewhere. Uh, weird that, we, it's weird that I didn't include anybody who is like a Doctor Who actor in Werewolves of London. So I picked exclusively uh, like BBC actors and like yeah. and Channel 4 actors. Um, well, but, but also if you're doing like a take on a, 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 it is a law of any cinematic universe that at some point you must include a Doctor Who actor. It's in the contract. The MCU you, did it. The DCU did it. The Spider-Man cinematic universe. Do you mean that someone who's played the Doctor or just someone who's guest starred on Doctor Who? Someone who's played the Doctor. Okay, because like, that's... I mean, that's, listen, if, if Lord of the Rings can do it, I think you can do it. You can find somebody. You don't have to be a big role. It could literally just be David Tennant shows up, says hi, goes out. Well, I, mean, time. <laughs> I will, I will, I will, I will, I will seriously consider your request. It's got to be, uh, for those of you who don't know about the show, um, yes. we're listening to this and being like, what do you mean put a Doctor Who on your show? <laughs> no, I don't have access to David Tennant. But um, on, our, on, on Are You Afraid of the Dark Universe, uh, my co-host Dalton DeShane and I uh, go basically take the universe that was seeded and then abandoned in 2017's remake of The Mummy starring Tom Cruise, not a good movie, and try to extrapolate out one movie at a time the universal monster movie franchise in the style of the MCU that it seemed Universal wanted to make. And now we're in, we are now eight movies into our universe. Um, and in each one of these, uh, one of us, or sometimes both of us together, writes an abbreviated script for the movie. In my case, sometimes a bit too brief, uh, <laughs> uh, as you'll find out if you listen to the show. Um, but uh, and then we cast actors to play those characters. But it's actually usually just the two of us doing the voices. So yeah. um, I would I would love to do. I mean, my favorite of them, as we kind of talked about, is is Eccleston. Um, I am I I do love Ten, but um, I would have to find something better than Malachith for him to do right. Oh, um, that's not going to be hard. Trust not me. that hard. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do have to say, as someone who, as as a fan who listens to your show, the thing uh, your show manages to do so well is that it manages to avoid like the usual pitfalls whenever people come up with like, oh, let's come up with our own cinematic universe for this, and they just do Marvel, but with the serial number styled off there's some stuff in are you afraid of the dark universe that's like wow that is like an, a like a cool idea i haven't seen before that i would like to see it I, I don't know if i can mention it it's a bit of a spoilers but like you're you're building up to this phase two crossover that's all centered around the wedding which again we have 15 years of marvel and they've never done that that's like a such a standard comic idea to have like the big wedding and everyone is invited and, and they've never has done to go that wrong yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely and you're building up to it in such a way that it's like this feels like if i was watching this in theaters this would get me proper excited well thank and you then, yeah. uh you know i'm uh, it is it is nice to um it's a really fun exercise uh, of in in writing it's like i've been a i've been a a critic either professionally or 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 like semi-professionally for for a while uh but I, I went to school to write fiction uh and then as many people who went to school to write fiction did uh, gave up and uh and decided to do other things and now it's <laughs> nice to get to uh to to put all of the amount of time i spend thinking about stories and what makes them work and what would make them better and, and how i would do it uh to something 
uh, uh, something that feels constructive and fun and not mean. Because when you're you know writing a movie review, what you don't want to do is talk about the movie you wish it was. You have to talk about yeah. the movie that's there, right? That's not fair to invent a movie to be mad at or um, – or to enjoy when there's something you should be talking about. So the opportunity to simultaneously talk about movies that work and movies that don't work, such as The Mummy 2017, and um, and kind of build our fantasy version of what of what we would like to see within the confines of what is, a, a, I think, a bad idea, which is to make mm-hmm. everything into a cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I've gone on long enough, uh, but I, I always really, uh, Michelle, really appreciate your your patronage of the show because uh, of course. um it's uh it, it means a lot you know we're we're we are new on the block and uh it's it's nice to get that kind of feedback love to bang a good drum i also say that uh doctor who fans could benefit from listening to this podcast because we have a problem which is that we like to say i don't like this the way it should be is just do the exact same thing you were doing before but boring like the amount of people who are like, I wish that the next series would start with Peter Capaldi waking up and undoing the past three years. Cause they like, I don't know. They have no life or something like you should like, this is like, let's have actual creative exercises and thinking about this. If we're going to be saying that we could do better than the people who are getting paid for this, let's come up with some really good ideas. And I think like this, the podcast, how you're afraid of the dark universe is a good example of that. Thank you very much. Of course. Say about us anyway